Hey everybody, it's Sam with Pro Wrestling Overtime. And yes, I know I thought I was going to get to you guys earlier this week. This week has been crazy busy with everything and anything going on. Trying to understand things and getting different ones of our sources and writers going in the right direction always helps. Need to remind you guys that you want to be checking the OvertimeNetwork.com frequently. Number one, we give you uh, great sports bets. We're doing great in college basketball and in NBA basketball right now. Not so much in hockey at this moment, but uh, really wanting to pick up MLS soccer. So be looking forward to that. But the big news that that came out today, today being March 25th, was Triple H's interview with Stephen Smith. Don't know why he chose ESPN. Let me backtrack. I do know why he chose. Number one, they've been using Pat McAfee's uh, podcast kind of overboard as far as Brock going on there, Vince McMahon going on there. So they didn't want to use that. ESPN can reach so many people, and it can reach the casual sports fan that, from my age up to, uh, I don't know, 55, 60 maybe, that used to watch WWE, that followed Triple H during the Attitude Era, during, you know, um, Ruthless Aggression, and some of them even have jumped over to NXT when he and Shawn Michaels were there. People are always wondering, why is NXT's demographics, the demos that everybody is talking about, why are they so high? And by that I mean their older set. Uh, 48 and up, they are capturing that market. Why? Well, it was because of the way Triple H, Shawn Michaels presented that. So, not going to do a Triple H show for this particular episode. Because as you saw, what we want to talk about, this topic for this particular episode, is WWE contracts. But, do want to let you guys know, have the utmost respect for Triple H. Hate the way I've heard he's been done um, has to be disappointing, a little depressing to have the uh, heart incident that he's had now having to basically cannot wrestle anymore, not getting to retire maybe the way he wanted to, his last match being against Randy Orton. But... Um, we all know that Triple H would have loved nothing better than to retire at WrestleMania, since that seemed to be where he wanted all of his big moments. But, then I go into Triple H the person, and is that great? You hear so many wrestlers talk about how they gave him, how he gave them the first break, but then you hear other wrestlers talking about his time as a wrestler, and you're like, oh, I don't know. So, 
maybe a future episode about that. But right now, we want to talk WWE contracts. Because so many people don't understand the basics. That's what this episode is going to be about. We're going to talk, yeah, we'll talk a little about Brock Lesnar's weird contracts. Um, we may even talk a little Cody Rhodes' weird contract. But, what we really want to talk about is the basics. And, you have to understand what the basics cover before you can add anything on. See, just like anything else in the wrestling business, you are what you negotiate. And if you don't get it in writing, then technically, they don't have to give it to you. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, we all have heard stories of certain wrestlers saying, I did a handshake deal, they promised me this, then when I got the contract, it wasn't this. And we've all heard wrestlers on different podcasts talking about how they promised me creative control or they promised me that I would have, you know, control over my character and where it went and that didn't happen. Well, no, you didn't negotiate it in to the contract. Therefore, it uh, may or may not happen. So, first of all, want to make sure, well, no, I'll throw a little tidbit out there, kind of snag you guys, hook you a little bit, Cody Rhodes has negotiated in his contract, he will be in the championship pitcher, period, no, 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 he didn't leave it to um, people to guess No, they can't switch him to the United States Championship. No, they can't switch him to the the Intercontinental Championship. Although I think he's also going to be involved in those. But I would say by SummerSlam, we're going to see Cody Rhodes vying for the WWE Championship on Raw. Why on Raw? Because... He knows that it would be basically a barrier for him to go to SmackDown and immediately take on Roman Reigns. It'd just be absolutely ridiculous. Why would he want to do that? So, um, I'm telling you guys, do not be surprised. He's going to beat Seth Rollins and get a very... Very strong push in WWE on Raw. Now, as far as being paid, here's the thing. WWE can pay you many different ways, uh, with many different amounts, with using different percentages, and you... If you negotiate correctly, bet on yourself correctly, you can make a tremendous amount of money. Again, if you've listened to older wrestlers, veterans talking about 
the old days when they sold pay-per-views. We had pay-per-view buys instead of being on the Peacock Network or the WWE Network if you're listening to me overseas. Or um, they would get paid a certain percentage of the gate. They would be paid a certain percentage of merchandise sales, um, such as t-shirts, autographs, different things like that. And then they may only make $50,000, $75,000 a year. Some of you went, what? Yes, I know for some of us, fifty. dollars $75,000 a year, great money. But for wrestling, that's kind of low end. But what they were banking on, the gates were going to be outrageous. That, you know, the ticket sales, outrageous. That pay-per-view buys were going to be outrageous. We've all seen um, in UFC where Conor McGregor, may negotiate $100,000, $200,000 a fight, but gets front-end percentages of pay-per-views and ends up making $8 million. We've seen Floyd Mayweather Jr. do that also, make $20, $30 million because of that. Now, I know what a lot of you are sitting at home saying, well, I would negotiate and make a million or two million dollars plus get that. No. Nick Khan and Vince McMahon are not going to allow you to do that. They're not that stupid. It's kind of an either or. And so when you sit down with your agent, your manager, your dad, um, a veteran wrestler, because you've got to remember, WWE wrestlers, up until, I would say the last five years, haven't been using sports agents, or sports agencies, or agents, entertainment agencies, even. And we're starting to hear that more and more, and they are negotiating better deals. But it used to be the wrestler and Vince McMahon. The wrestler would have been briefed by someone hoping to get the best deal. But then again, there were other wrestlers that will tell you. My third deal that I did with Vince McMahon, he handed it to me, said, take it or leave it. I opened it up and said, but, but, and he said, take it or leave it. And I just signed it and walked out because I knew we weren't going to go negotiate. Well, now with the rise of the indies, and you can make six figures on the indies, you can make money in Impact, in, you know, MLW, you can go New Japan strong, you can um, obviously go over to AEW, then you can make different kinds of money. So in this episode, we're just going to go over kind of a basic WWE contract, how it's set up the different sections that cover different things and that wrestlers have had problems with or where they've made money in the past, such as like merchandise, um, their image rights are getting very big now, 
and this is only the WWE. AEW has a different style of contra- contracts. I may go over theirs probably after WrestleMania season. They have the tier contracts that are set up, and then they negotiate different contracts for other levels of stars. Um, this is based on what sources have told me and showed me. And I'm going to leave that one there. And so some of these basics that we're going to be going over are like this in other promotions. And then they're not. The very first section a WWE contract opens up with is the booking section. Now, well, let's go over it WWE-wise and then I'll talk about a little bit of the differences. So let's talk first things first. When you become a wrestler for WWE, every one of their wrestlers needs to grant them, the WWE, rights to book them for events, ticketed programs, ticketed rights, and then they can book them for other things, which we'll get into in a minute. Wrestlers are treated in the WWE as independent contractors. Independent contractors, by definition, book themselves. However, the very first part, the very first section in a WWE contract allows WWE to do it for them. Now, when this first came up, Vince McMahon used this as a selling point of telling the boys he would take that over for him. So, it was a perk that WWE was doing this for them. Now, of course, in today's wrestling, a lot of wrestlers don't consider that a perk. They consider it almost a downfall. Because if they're not on TV, or they're not being used on house shows, or even on TV events, or anything like that, and they're not being allowed to go and do PR events for WWE, they're sitting at home. Now, are they getting, are they setting home to be paid? Yes, on their guarantee. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But, they're not getting to do some of the other things. They're just sitting on their couch. And they're not allowed to book themselves elsewhere. And you say, well, I don't really understand. Okay. Mustafa Ali, at this time, is on his couch in Chicago instead of being in Brooklyn for SmackDown tonight. There are, I think, three, two or three other events within driving distance of Chicago that Mustafa Ali could have booked himself at, 
could have gotten paid for, could have sold merchandise at, and made money tonight because he is not in Brooklyn for SmackDown. But because he has a WWE contract, and this first section will not allow him to book himself. WWE also books you for ticketed programs or publicity functions or events where they can sell merchandise. Now, what does this mean? This means meet and greets. This means um, the access events in WrestleMania next week where you're going to see WWE um, wrestlers on panels talking about different subjects and taking, um, doing question and answers from the fans for anywhere from $50 to $150 pop. That is negotiated by WWE. So what they do is they have to negotiate with some third-party vendors also. What the third-party vendors want WWE wrestlers is for endorsements, public appearances, personal appearances, and personal non-rights events. So, for instance, we've all seen Cricket Wireless is a third-party person that WWE negotiates with on the behalf of the wrestlers. So when you see Drew McIntyre or Charlotte Flair in a Cricket Wireless commercial, WWE negotiated that. They didn't. WWE negotiated and put on their calendar when they were going to tape that commercial, what was going to be said, and how much they were going to get paid. WWE obviously gets a percentage, and the wrestler gets a percentage. Because they negotiate this contract, Cricket Wireless also wants them for personal appearances and certain uh, autograph signings or other things. She got canceled last Monday, I guess it was. Bianca Belair was scheduled for, to be at Raw due to her, her, her kayfabe injury. She was not going to be there, so they also canceled her cricket wireless appearance. So they're going to have to renegotiate that. She's going to have to remake that up or something in order to obtain that money. Today, in New York, if you were paying attention, you saw Charlotte Flair showed up at Barstool Sports. She was at a Cricket Wireless, and I'm trying to think where else she was. Anyway, Cricket Wireless, customers could pay a certain amount, go in, meet Charlotte Flair, pay an additional amount, and get a picture and an autograph with her. WWE negotiated that on Charlotte's behalf. Again, 
per certain percentage and all of that. The second section when you look at a WWE contract is titled Programs. Now, this section is basic standard language and it just grants WWE the right to film and use photographic footage of the wrestlers both in the ring, out of the ring, and this includes backstage, and at other events. Now, for instance, another event would be like um, the Hall of Fame inductions next week. Or at Access. They can take pictures for those. It allows them to use this footage however they choose. And that's the kicker. They are allowed to film and photograph. What do I mean by it being the kicker. Well, a lot of wrestlers have found out that some of the quick, off-the-cuff um, interviews that they've done right after a match, especially older veterans, WWE controls it a little more. They only use it in documentaries now. But uh, before... A wrestler may come out being filmed, come through gorilla position or go position and say, boy, that was horrible. I can't believe I missed that spot. Um, he's going to be mad and you'll see them turn around. Someone else will walk through the curtain and they'll say, man, I'm sorry. That was awful stiff. I didn't mean to do whatever. Well, that wrestler then leaves. WWE puts out a statement. We had to release them because too many mistakes, too many accidents, too many whatever. And everybody says, well, no, that's considered one of the safest wrestlers around. And then they show that footage. And wrestler A is like, that happened one time. It was only because this happened. It wasn't because I hurt someone or I made a mistake. Or, and that's what I mean. Now, like I said, WWE usually controls it a lot better now. They don't use it against wrestlers, like I said, unless it's in a documentary um, capacity. Some people kind of pointed out this section of a contract I guess it's been about four years ago, three years ago, when the Liv Morgan um, documentary came out, and she was trying out a new gimmick, and in that documentary, I think WWE thought it would make her look bad, it made them look bad, made them look like WWE creative did not know what they were doing, but in that documentary, you heard Liv Morgan talking to others about different gimmicks. Uh, gimmick one being that creative had gave it to her and she was getting all in it. She got new gear. She was learning from older veterans how she should do it. And then they come up to her and 
she is now given gimmick two, and she says, well, what about gimmick one? And they're like, yeah, we're not going to do that. And they end up throughout this documentary changing it numerous times on her. Well, due to this footage and photographs and, and things, WWE can choose to use that however they wanted to. Like I said, I think they thought it would make Liv Morgan look bad. It only made WWE creative look bad. The third section, most people used to never pay attention to. However, it has been a huge component of contracts, I would say in the last seven years, definitely within the last five this section, which is intellectual property, was actually pulled out in the last contract. Well, no, I should say the contract before uh, this one. Brock Lesnar actually only signed this section. Because remember, he was going to go back to the UFC. So all WWE got him to sign was the intellectual property where they could use his name, likeness, character, personality, gear, and gestures. And that is how it is worded. Um, they also can include the wrestler's legal name during the contract or if the WWE has trademarked it. And this section of the contract is how WWE can use a legend or a veteran wrestler or a current wrestler in the WWE video games. Uh, they can, you still see Austin 316 shirts because he still has an intellectual property contract. Um, they're still, they own Steve Austin's name, Stone Cold Steve Austin's name. They can put it on uh, merchandise, they own his likeness and character so they can put him in video games. This has become a huge deal. And like I said, this one in the last five years, different wrestlers have caught one and upped the percentage or upped and said, I know you want to give me 750000 but I think my uh, name, likeness, character, and personality and gestures are a bigger deal than what you've weighted them, and I want a million. Well, then WWE has to figure that out. Section 4 is merchandise. It has its own section in the contract, and it is where wrestlers grant WWE the right to use their intellectual property, which we just discussed, to sell merchandise that is exclusive to the WWE. Now, I see all the time fans on Twitter writing certain wrestlers, um, they Instagram them and say, why don't you make this shirt? Or I see fans designing their own shirts, sending them to the wrestlers and saying, you know, I'll give you this for free if you'll make a shirt out of it. 
So they question all the time why WWE wrestlers can't design their own shirts. Because other wrestlers do. Taz was famous in um, ECW TNA designing his own shirts. He had an artist he worked with. And later he brought that artist to WWE to work with him there. But... You see, trying to think of, um, Darby Allen is one that designs a lot of his own shirts on Pro Wrestling Tees, comes up with concepts, draws them out, gets them to put them on shirts. Other wrestlers, you'll see when they design their shirts on Pro Wrestling Tees, it's block letters or it's a slogan, and that's pretty much it. So... WWE contracts say wrestlers can be a part of this, but they can't design their own, put it on a shirt, and sell it themselves. So, you'll hear a lot of WWE wrestlers say, I had this idea. I had to go and sit down with their artist. Then we had to you know, clean it up, then we had to relook at it, then we had to do this, this, and that, then we had to decide what color it was going to be, and um, Seamus was famous for, for this. He talked about the process he went through, and then got put in a tag team with Cesaro and became the bar. And all of that work that he had did for the Celtic warrior, he kind of had to put on the shelf. Now, he later used it, but here he had all this momentum going, and things change, because WWE doesn't always move at a fast pace. So, WWE superstars in this section of their contract know that their image can be put on Anything, rugs, coasters, pictures, t-shirts, pants, socks, whatever they can dream up to sell. So, wrestlers need to negotiate their percentage that they're getting from this. There used to be a standard of 1-3%. to It has since, boom, exploded, and... Wrestlers were getting 5 to 8% there for a while. Now it seems to be 8% and up. So they can make a lot of money depending on their negotiations. Then the fifth section is exclusivity. Um, all rights are given to WWE exclusive because they are the promoter. If the wrestler wants to use anything in this contract, such as their name, then they must be granted the right by risk, uh, written consent. Wrestlers also must reimburse WWE for admin costs for these separate projects, products, or productions. And you're like, 
I don't have a clue what you're talking about. Well, WWE has exclusivity. This is the famous section that they use to shut down wrestlers' cameos, their Twitches, their any sites that they were using to do video games. Because they have to be exclusive to the WWE. And now, if you want to be on Twitch, such as Pages, then you must go to the WWE, put it in writing what you're wanting to do, and they have to grant that to you back and give you written consent to be allowed to use, you know, your name, your likeness, any gestures that you may use in WWE, and on and on. Uh, Xavier Woods needed to do this for G4. The sixth section is terms and territory. This is basically just the length of a contract and where they have exclusivity. All of them now are globally. So, um, it's basically just the length of their contract. Now, Brock Lesnar and Dolph Ziggler were famous for only signing one-year contracts. They both have signed longer ones in the past, and John Cena once signed a seven-year contract. So, yes, they can be one-year contracts. They can be seven-year contracts. Usually, they're three years and five years. And Nick Khan hates five-year deals. They're usually three-year deals at this time. And they come up at the ends of certain months after the big four pay-per-views. WrestleMania is coming up. Look for at the end of April. They're to be wrestlers released. Um, some wrestlers agree to redo their contracts based on certain measurements not being met. So when you hear some wrestler has had time added, that is why. Let's say I am a wrestler. I get hurt for an amount of year. That does not mean that contract, I set out a year, so I have two years left on my contract. No, my measurements weren't met. And you say, what measurements? Well, they have certain number of matches they must do a year, a certain number of events that they have to attend. They have certain measurements that they must meet, and if they don't, then their contract can and will be extended. So that's why you hear certain wrestlers got time added 
It's usually for injury. Nick Khan, um, the wrestlers caught wind of it and threw a temper tantrum. Nick Khan was looking into adding a whole year onto everyone's contracts after 2020 due to the pandemic. And a lot of wrestlers were trying to nip that one in the bud beforehand, were threatening to get lawyers and sue if they did that. So, um, this is kind of a sticky situation. The famous one that is happening this year that you guys would be aware of would be Ronda Rousey. Ronda Rousey, I believe in 2018, 2017, signed a three-year contract. She did one year completely. She showed up at WrestleMania and left the very next year at WrestleMania. She did one year. She traveled. She was at live events. She met all of her measurements. Her three-year contract, the second year was guaranteed, and the third year was an option. So Ronda Rousey was always going to come back and complete that contract. She has one year set, which started this year, Royal Rumble. And then she has an option to stay for another year. Now, the way it looks and the way she has talked, that third year will not happen. However, I look for uh, WWE to want to negotiate that, make it more worth Ronda's while, and she may stay another year. And then I think Miss Rousey goes back to her family to browse the acres and enjoys her life. The seventh section is payments and royalties. Guys, wrestlers get a base salary. This is their guaranteed salary. And it's called their downside. It runs from $50,000 and up. A lot of wrestlers in the past were paid less to get more percentage money on the pay-per-views being sold, merchandise, ticket sales, things like that. Now, people, wrestlers, sports athletes in general are wanting higher guarantees or downsides in case they get hurt, in case they fall out of favor with the WWE, or in case they get turned from babyface to heel because babyfaces usually make more money in merchandise and in ticket sales than heels do. So, when wrestlers negotiate a percentage of the gate or merchandise sales or anything like that, that's called having a payoff. So,
So, Nick Khan, in the last couple years, has been wanting to lower some of these. So, what has been happening is he has been lowering talent that is coming in's salary. While trying to renegotiate other talent who has high guarantees. So when you hear that Brock's making $10 million, Raymond's making five, there's $15 million. And you add all the salaries up and divide it by the amount of wrestlers, fans think, oh, these wrestlers are getting paid a lot. Because the average salary in WWE is somewhere between five hundred thousand and six hundred thousand. But it's really lower for most of the wrestlers because Roman and Brock's salaries are so high that it raises the average. There's a lot of WWE wrestlers that make less than a hundred thousand and most of NXT makes less than a hundred thousands. And that's hard for us as fans to believe because we think of wrestlers as celebrities and that they must be making millions and not all do. And that's where I think the wrestlers kind of, it's not that they get upset with the fans, it's just that they wish the fans understood a little more. Now, these are the seven components, like I said, of a WWE contract. Now, there's a lot of ins and outs we could talk about, like Becky Lynch getting William Morris to negotiate her contract. After she talked to The Rock, and that's his agency, he told Becky, why don't you get them to negotiate their contract? She got a lot of perks in her contract last year that most wrestlers didn't even think about, didn't even know that they could negotiate. And a lot of wrestlers woke up right then and said, I need to get a sports agent. I need to get a sports agency. I need to get an entertainment agency. I need to get something like this. One of the wrestlers who woke up was Sasha Banks. I look forward to seeing what Sasha Banks negotiates for her next contract. Why? Because Sasha Banks was already using an entertainment agency to negotiate her contracts in Hollywood for Mandalorian and the new series that she's going to be in. She just hadn't thought to have them negotiate her contracts with WWE. So some of the things that Becky got was a higher guarantee, but also paid time off, paid sick leave. And people were like, what? What do you mean? And, you know, it was said that Becky wanted to be able to go on vacation, but because she has a little one that is traveling with her, that she also wanted to be able to take time off in case her child, her baby, got sick. 
or in case she got sick. Because we all know toddlers get germs and they give them to us. So that's what one of the perks. Travel was also another perk that she got negotiated. As far as the baby being allowed to travel with her, being allowed backstage, things like that. But that's a future episode. I don't want to overwhelm you guys or bore you to death talking about contracts. No, this isn't your episode telling you all the stuff that's going on in the WWE or AEW. I'm coming up with another episode on it. But um, just know that we will be talking about, are we going to have a women's battle royal? Are we going to have a men's battle royal at WrestleMania? What's going on with Cody? We're going to be talking all of that in our very next episode. So make sure you subscribe or follow to make sure that you're getting the latest episode. And do not forget to be checking the OvertimeNetwork.com. If you go to that page, you see the round circle that has follow in it. If you'll click on that, it will email you any articles as soon as they come out, or you'll just get daily updates and get them once a day, and you'll be in the know of what is going on. So guys, as always, just let me know what you guys think, what topics you want to hear about, or information you want me to try to get. If you guys have any questions, comments, problems, or protests, you guys know you can write me pro wrestling ot at gmail.com pro wrestling ot at gmail.com i'll be talking to you soon and hopefully i'll see you down the road